Hello, Marvelites. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the MCU Exchange. We're already on episode 54. How time flies. Crazy. Um, insane. Sadly, Aaron can't make today. Um, but of course, uh, we're here to keep you guys updated on what's happening in the Marvel world and talk about that Falcon the Winter Soldier finale. Uh, I'm going to be your host, Joe, and with me is Charles. What's up? And we're excited. So let's, you know, let's not waste any time. Let's jump right straight into it. Oh, Charles, good. what were your thoughts on Falcon and Winter Soldier finale? Uh, now that it's been a week, and now that we've seen the um, the documentary making it, my feelings have definitely um, lightened a bit. Because as soon as it ended, like, anytime, anytime you see a finale, you can't help but feel um, critical about some stuff that, that they didn't land, but also feel happy yeah. about the stuff they did land. And as soon as the the finale ended, I was like, "Yeah, that was good. The messaging was great, but some of it was kind of clunky. Like some mm. some some parts, the sets feel super small and all that. But just seeing everything, you know, in, in the in, in the making of, of documentary and you know having a week to process it, I think it's it's, it's a very very solid finale to a very very solid um, season of TV. It's certainly not the best thing we've ever seen from the MCU, but I yeah. think the messaging of it is absolutely." Like if there's one thing that they did, like they could have fucked up everything else from the from the sets, the fights, but they definitely nailed the messaging. And I think yeah. for a show like this, I think that's what they set out to do, and they did it really well. Yeah, and, and high praise to uh, to head writer Malcolm Spellman and yeah. uh, director Corey Scoggle. They really did an amazing job here with this because it, it's not an easy story to tell, and and I think oh, yeah. they took that perfect balance of subtlety but also in your face that makes us stand out as a very important message in modern yeah. society yeah uh I, I i agree with you i think the i generally think the show was really good like the thing about you know when we're talking about falcon winter soldier or even wandavision you know just a, a few months ago um these are high quality shows so when we're oh, yeah. criticizing these shows they're still above many productions out <laughs> <Yeah>. there <laughs> you know it, yeah, it, this is not sorry yeah. I was just gonna say, like, I'm I'm very critical of how some sets look. Like, we mm. saw the same court set get used like four times in the season for no good reason, yeah, yeah. and some of those scenes definitely make the scale feel small. Obviously, some of the like when when we when we talked about the the Prague episodes, like some of it looked like it was shot in, inside one building, and that may very well be the case because the the documentary does say that they had. A lot of restrictions they had to do they had to convince the the Czech Republic to actually allow an American yeah. production in no because uh stuff st the COVID stuff in the US was was very different from the COVID stuff in, in Prague at the time so there was definitely a lot of uh, restrictions over there and you know and and these restrictions in the face of the high quality fights and special effects sequences they they did it's kind of like at, like at the end of the day, these shows don't need to prove how expensive they are because they are yeah. fucking expensive. You could see that from from any action sequence they put, like the the highway sequence in the, the Germany fight with the uh, with the flag smashers, the uh, the Tunisia aerial sequence in in episode one, and obviously this one, the New York sequence where where Sam saves a bunch of helicopters. It's oh, pretty basically. fucking cinematic stuff. Yeah, definitely. And, and as you highlighted, it's an interesting thing that. Even with everything that happened, like, uh, remember back when head writer Matt Jackman for WandaVision said that they pretty much finished the finale like two weeks before it aired. Right. Both of these productions got hit hard. Um, and that's kind of the interesting aspect to see them still come out at the quality that they are. 
And, you know, of course, we, you know, we can always say, oh, well, what if the pandemic never happened? For what we got, still amazing and, and high praise to the cast and crew to kind of go through these situations. And as someone who lives in Europe, you know, Prague is not far from where I live. Mm. They had it just as bad as we had and everything was in lockdown. So that the fact that they even got the film stuff uh, must have been difficult to pull through. Uh, but I'm, I'm like the finale. What I, I'm a little surprised about. Like, if I had one criticism, I think the Walker storyline, they couldn't quite decide in which direction to go with yeah. him. Yeah. Um. That's that's the only thing where I say, okay, I got, I like the moment. I think there was an interview with Spellman where he said he wanted people to like him, which ironically, uh, if you look at the internet disc, uh, the online discourse, there are a lot of people that are very pro Walker. Um. And, and what he did in that last moment kind of redeemed him for them. I think it needed a bit more time. I kind of like the idea of him not being a bad guy, just a guy with a bad, a weird tick that he still has technically at the end of the season. Yeah. I think that just really needs fleshing out. Yeah, the problem with the Walker stuff, I mean, they did everything right. Up, for me, I, I, they did everything right up until his scene, his scene with Val, or I guess his scene, I guess his scene with Bucky at the end, where they're like patting yeah. each other. Back, I feel like that's when it's it started to fall apart. Where it was like, what? You just tried to murder Bucky and Sam in cold blood, and you would have probably gotten away with it. You could have you, you you could have gotten away with it if they weren't able to defend themselves. You would have probably told the government, oh, they tried to fight me and they got in the yeah. way, and he you would have gotten off scot free. But you know, seeing him like pat Bucky at, at Bucky's back at the end and him being all chummy with with Sam too. And seeing him just be jolly at the end when when Val gives him the suit, it's kind of like, what happened to the darkness? Because you're a you're a pretty fucking dark guy. Your best friend just yeah. died. Like just because you get a new suit, does that mean you can you know act like Chris Pratt and be like and do like a you know finger guns and be like all jolly towards Val? I feel like that's a weird jump to make, given how I guess when you think about how. Like the, the the finale just probably took place in a span of like two days. Like the next day yeah. after after they they take down the flag smashers, the next day he probably meets with Val and gets the the suit. It's kind of like what happened to all the darkness. I mean, I get that you got your heroic moment, which I thought was really cool, where he got he was given the choice to avenge yeah. uh, avenge um, Lamar or do the job and just save people. He he picked the save people route, and I thought that was pretty good. But again. You still have all that darkness. I, I feel like there was. I feel like there could have been at least one moment of mourning for Lamar, from a Walker's perspective. You know, he has the suit now. Like, imagine if he wasn't this all like you know, finger guns pointing at at, 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 at Val, and he was just with his wife talking about Lamar, talking about how yeah. he redeem himself towards Lamar. How could how he could redeem the Medal of Honor that he thought was like the worst day of his life? I feel like there was a lot of character stuff that could have been done for his ending. Definitely. It, it feels like they could have done at least with one more episode to kind of give that more time to flesh out. That That's how I kind of see it. I mean, um, I mean, if there's anybody who needed an entire episode, it's definitely Sharon Carter. <laughs> because, yeah, <laughs> that's the next thing. Good point. Yeah, that's like, like if there's one thing, the this one week of uh, this, uh, this sort of uh, one week reprieve we have from watching the, the, the finale, I feel like the Sharon Carter stuff Definitely sat with me worse and worse as the days gone by. Um, just thinking about it more, it's kind of like, yeah, why? Why did she kill all those people in Madripoor? Why? Why, why did that happen? It, it kind of doesn't make sense. The more and more you think about it, um, it's so funny because in the documentary, um, Spellman and Nate Moore 
seem to be very very proud of themselves for executing that mystery really really well <laughs> and just seeing how it turned out it's kind of like no you didn't because people are still sort of confused about it and i certainly am confused like i get the idea the idea works on paper paper but just how they got there it's kind of like there's still a lot of missing blanks over there the the thing is, is I, I think their red herrings didn't work as a red herring but rather complicate the situation yeah. um like anything they try to throw in to throw you off her trail was either just kind of confirmed it more or just made you go well, if she is, then how does that make sense? And that, that's kind of where the problem is, I think, in a big part. I I, her, I personally think with her power broker aspect is that, like, my view is that this is kind of a power broker ink situation, that she's not the only one. She just was the one who got the CIA guy into Super Soldier Serum and all that. But someone else also, like, working under that moniker, sending out someone to get them, it's just... The weird thing is, is that what they're doing is by pretty much flat out saying when Zemo says, oh, I've met the power broker before. You're like, OK, then how is it Sharon? And that's, you know, it's, it's similar to like the, the, the Zemo mask. There's no resolution to why that mask had any relevance outside of it's a cheeky comic reference. <laughs> and with her, it's kind of the same thing where it's like they're building up this thing, but they're not giving it time to kind of breathe. And I don't know if it's kind of a, a fault of them restricting themselves to six episodes or it's also a part of them just being very inexperienced with long-form storytelling because normally if this is a two-hour film that'll hit better because you know you get to that point faster but it, it's it's like the mephisto you know rumor where we all had like wandavision mephisto that connection was always there but you dragged out your red herrings to a point where that any other solution wouldn't have made sense or would right. disappoint someone I think the thing with the with the Madripoor Sharon Powerbroker execution, I feel like just the base idea of her being like an art dealer and trying to hide it. I feel like that's yeah. I feel like that's that's not the way to go about building up your mystery. Like imagine yeah. if we just saw Sharon slumming it up in fucking Madripoor, and then no one would have guessed it. No one would have guessed it. They wouldn't have had hints to it. And then you reveal like, holy shit! Yeah, you you could have sort of. You could have maybe slightly alluded that, yeah, maybe she's fucking secretly rich in Madripoor and she's just slumming it up in just like a small apartment and shit. I think that would at least fare better. But just the way they were like, they weren't hiding the fact that she was this like rich, bigwig person in Madripoor. Oh, then when she gets picked up with a really expensive car and a PA. Right. You know, that, the, that, that didn't need to be there. <laughs> the, the, the fact that she has, you know, like a, sto- a bunch of stolen expensive artwork and all that, it's... She lives in a very fancy penthouse apartment. It's it's like, like it's there. So I don't know why you're so proud of proud that you sort of executed this mystery finessefully because there's there was kind of no finesse to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The intrigue kind of wasn't there, um, which again it's just a weird thing. Like I, I tweeted about, um, I, I tweeted about it the other day. Like how the, we really need like a one shot of a uh, Sharon Carter Breaking Bad. Just show her sort of spiraling yeah. down to this underworld of uh, criminals. I feel like if we get that, we would at least understand, oh, okay, then the twist makes sense. Her being power broker makes makes sense. But, you know, up until we get that, I think it's always going to be a lingering thing among fans that that reveal was very unsatisfying. It's, it's not too dissimilar from the Ralph Boner story where that setup didn't quite land as they expected. 
Yeah. And I think it, I, I hope we get some kind of like anthology Marvel series where they can fill in blanks and kind of reuse their old one shot concept because it really feels like there's a story there that just got cut for some reason whatsoever. And I really think that's a disservice to what they're trying to do at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, hopefully um, Loki gets to nail their mysteries better because I'm sure that, yeah. that show's going to have a fucking ton of mysteries for sure. Oh, yeah. And I, I think with Loki, my hope is that we also see them, you know, we see this evolving from show to show that they're getting better. They're figuring things out and stuff like that. And I, I hope like that's the a lot of people like to talk about the Mandalorian saying the Mandalorian had it off from the beginning. Mandalorian didn't have a story. Mandalorian was each episode was a different thing. And then the final one just came put some elements together. So it didn't, you know, it didn't have that pressure of having to reveal anything at the end of the day. Yeah. And that was its advantage. It was more like an anthology series with the same main character. And this is like oh, yeah. an actual long form storytelling. So there's a very interesting distinction between them, which is curious. How will the other Star Wars series with a more through line story, you know, will they do similar mistakes or, or also learn from this? Yeah. Um, but one interesting thing uh, that was highlighted, and this was like a big theory, was that there was a pandemic storyline in the in the series that got cut after the pandemic hit. Uh, well, they have confirmed that is not true. They are teasing that it that they really want to adapt this story into a comic. Uh, Spe Spellman uh, pointed that out very openly. But they uh, Spellman and uh, Skogelin both said they're not allowed to talk about it. So it sounds kind of like something that'll come later down the line. What, what do you think about that? I just find it shady that this, yeah. whole, th this whole thing became, you know, something that they cannot talk about. Um, because if it's a cut story, then, you know, I don't, I don't see why that's a big deal because WandaVision had a lot of cut stuff and we know that, we know th they cut a scene where um, uh, the rabbit becomes a demon and all that. I mean, it seems yeah. like Matt Shackman and Jock Schaefer were very open about talking about that. So, Maybe I guess they really have something planned for this uh, cut storyline because they're they have a gag order not to say anything. Um, I, yeah. gu I guess that would make sense, but I, f I, I, I feel like there was at some point, you know, there had to be some sort of a pandemic storyline. We heard it from several people, including from our own Charles Murphy back then. It, it feels like yeah. you know, where, where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, whether that whether this story actually entered the final stages of you know. Of, of it being in the final script or not, I feel like there was at some point a story like this, hence them deciding, you know what, let's just put it elsewhere. Uh, I, I think um, that the a pandemic storyline could be really interesting because it's not uncommon for the Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. We have the Mad Bomb, we have the uh, Terra Genesis Bomb. There's a lot to play around with. I, I originally thought when I heard that going around that this show might set up Miss Marvel. Right, which yeah, is I also thought, set to release this year. Yeah, I thought that too, yeah. So it's it's interesting. I, you know, I hope I would love to see a Mad Bomb story. I think that's a really interesting uh story to explore. And uh, you know, this kind of leads us into where it could potentially be explored, and that is we have the official confirmation that Mal Malcolm Spellman is writing a fourth Captain America film. Mm. Now, his involvement pretty much highlights that it will be the return of Sam Wilson in the role. Um, there are rumors talking about still that there is a potential Chris Evans return storyline, but um, that this is pretty much going to be a separate project. Uh, before we get into talking about the fourth film, what did you think about the costume? 
And oh. are you excited to see what tweaks they might do for the upcoming film? Oh my god, it's fucking immaculate. It's it's like there's almost I almost don't have anything to nitpick about it. I, I don't have anything to, to nitpick about it. Now that I'm thinking about it because it's so. It might be the most um, one-to-one, one-is-to-one uh, recreation of a costume from yeah. the comics. Like literally from the from the patterns he has on his shoulder to the to his uh, I guess his cowl with the whole thing with the with the with the white and the goggles. It's so scarily accurate. The fact that mm. it works. On a live action setting, makes me hopeful that they're gonna nail the Moon Knight costume, because Sam's costume is a lot of white, and you yep. know white is not is not necessarily a uh, uh, an easy color to work with as far as you know designing uh, clothes or outfits with that color. So it gives me hope, but I also feel like because when I look at the all the Falcons um, comic book artwork, he doesn't have a beard, and yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to I kind of want to see Anthony Mackie without a beard. I wonder. I wonder how that's gonna fare out with him in the in the suit without the beard. I wonder if that's gonna make it look even more um, comic accurate. But I, I love it. I, I love how the wings actually look like feathers now. Yeah, that great design choice on those wings, and I love the way they use the wings in creative manners, like the shield where he oh, yeah. wraps it around the shield. That was such a cool scene. So cool. Yeah, I love it. I'm really excited to see that costume return. I'm I'm curious because every film and every project they kind of tweak and adjust the pro- the the costume, yeah. so we might see it, some slight adjustments. But I'm really curious. We have no info on what Captain America Four might be about. Um, I confess I haven't read the storyline uh, when Sam Wilson took over the the cowl uh, of the, the the name. Mm. Do, you, do you think they're going to take some inspiration for the comics or maybe do something original? Like, this is a place I could see them maybe adapt the Mad Bomb storyline that could have been in Falcon the Winter Soldier. I could see them sort of um, adapting some of the, the the thematics of the comic. But I think they have a blank slate as far as what they can do. Um, yeah. What I want to see for Cap 4 is them fight the Serpent Society. I know Kevin Ooh, yeah. Feige sort of uh, pulled a prank on us five, uh, seven, eight years ago when they did the... Uh, the uh, El Capitan Phase Three presentation, where, where where they revealed Captain America Civil War as Captain America Serpent Society, so I feel like they have an appreciation for those kinds of uh, crazy fucking kooky characters that are um, dressed up as snakes. <laughs> it's <laughs> super fucking weird, but I think there's a way to you know sort of uh, modernize that. Um, I, I I have been curious how they're gonna how Spellman's gonna sort of uh, continue this through line of uh, the uh, the ideological threat Sam could face. In Captain America Four here, um, no. but that's what I'm more curious about as far as far as having a, like a threat for Sam to face here because he doesn't have powers at all. I think his fight is going to be more of an ideological fight than than um, what Steve had to face in the other movies. Yeah. So, so this this makes me super excited for what they have in store. And we saw that at the the end of uh, Falcon with the Soldier. I think one yeah. of the best sequences from the show is that. He's a mediator. They took that from his original introduction uh, as someone who helps people and mediates for people. Yeah. Like, uh, Chris Evans' version was a stir, and he was the guy who stood up and talked and said what to do, like the motivator. But he's the guy who kind of coordinates things. So it'd be really, really interesting how they, you know, how they approach that in that future project. Also, I think Cap Cap 4 is going to be a lot of people's first introduction to Sam Wilson as Captain America. Yeah, I think th- that's a, a reality that we have to face. That you know, uh, as soon as we are to this Disney Plus, you know, Marvel and MCU series sort of a 
think that they're doing. A lot of people probably aren't. Um, yeah. a, a big chunk of the general audience probably haven't seen WandaVision or, or, or Falcon, especially those countries that don't have Disney+. Plus. So I think that's going to be, the movie's going to be this grand cinematic introduction um, for, for Sam Wilson as Captain America. So I think they're probably going to take some of that, you know, that's the, that inspirational speech making that they did, they, they, gave to, they gave to Sam in the finale. And they're going to definitely carry that on here just so people can get a feel of, you know, what Sam Wilson Captain America is all about. Definitely. It's a seamless transition if you have only watched Endgame and go into Cap 4. You don't necessarily oh, have yeah. to have watched Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah. I guess that's a great thing about what they did with Endgame as far as uh, mm. how they ended Falcon. It's like you can pick up where Endgame left off and see, oh, yeah, all right, yeah. I remember Steve gave him the shield at the end. That's cool. Even even though you, you even though you missed a huge part where he didn't want to take the shield. I think that's, that's uh, I guess, uh, they got lucky <laughs> with that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, any, any final thoughts on Falcon Winter Soldier Cap 4? No, I just hope that they um, introduce Sam um, properly in a in a in a. Obviously, it's a movie, so they have more money than they had for the series for yeah. this. So I hope they they give him a grander introduction for the general audience here. Comes in like a soaring eagle. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 going to be exciting, and we have so many like so many great castings right now as well. Like the the Marvel Cinematic Universe is just growing and growing because Secret Invasion has been really busy. Uh, the show we do know that Ben Mendelsohn is going to return as Talos, Samuel L. Jackson will return as Nick Fury, but it looks like they've added more to the cast. Killian Scott was just I think yesterday announced of joining the cast. Um, Olivia Coleman, who many might know from The Crown and the Probably the biggest surprise for a lot of people, Game of Thrones' very own Danis Targaryen, Emilia Clarke, is joining. Yeah. Are, are you excited for that? I don't a lot know. Of Game this... of Thrones actors, isn't it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who this Killian Scott guy is. Is he from Game of Thrones? No, no, Killian Scott is from a different project. Yeah, but. Emilia Clarke is the only one. It's just yeah. funny that she's joining after Eternals has already added the brothers, the Stark brothers. Right. <laughs> and it, I. I can't speak about a Killian Scott because I don't know who he is. Um, mm -hmm. And this came like last night, so he he's the fresh face here. But as far as Emilia Clark and Olivia Coleman go, I'm super excited. I love Olivia Coleman in The Favorite and and uh, in The Crown. Obviously, a lot of a lot of um, English people know Olivia Coleman for her TV work over there. She's she's a she's a fucking huge over there in yeah. in the UK. So I'm, I'm sure people are fucking ecstatic over there. And Emilia Clark, obviously Game of Thrones. She's more popular in the West. Um, than she's anywhere else so that's cool obviously there's a lot of speculation of who they could be playing i feel like i feel like i mean clark and olivia coleman could be playing either abigail brand or the scrub yeah. it could be like you could switch any one of them and i think it would be perfectly fine so i'm excited to see who they are great casting all in all I definitely think Emilia clark is an actress who they want to have stick around longer i, I can't oh, yeah. see her being a one-off yeah for the for sure. series it's it's exciting. It's just really like Secret Invasion is shaping up to be a really really interesting series because we don't know. I think there was what was a lot of rumors originally that Captain Marvel two would be Secret Invasion, so this might be a lead in series to that film, uh, similar to how Falcon and the Winter Soldier will lead into Captain America four. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear Amelia Clark, Olivia Coleman are also joining that film. Uh, so this is I yeah. can't wait to see what they do. Um, 
And who we'll see. The, the fun thing is, we're going to get set photos and we're going to theorize who is behind that scroll mask. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, and next, speaking of uh, like masks and everything and set photos, we also got some brand new leaks from the Hawkeye set. Uh, it just recently ended production. Uh, our very own Clint Barton, um, Jeremy Renner, announced it on Instagram. But it looks like some images found their way online. We have a much better look at a costume from Alakwa Cox. I apologize if I said that name wrong. As Echo. And I think this is a big one for a lot of Hawkeye fans. We got the iconic My Life as a Weapon Hawkeye uh, uniform, pretty much. And the one yeah. he's kind of most famous for nowadays. What what do you think of the costumes? Were were you excited to see it? Oh yeah, it looks fucking great. It looks like like I love how bolder and bolder Marvel Studios are getting with their costumes. They're not afraid to yeah. fucking You know what? Let's let's give him a fucking purple suit. We fought a purple guy in the last movie. Let's give him a purple suit. Let's give fucking um Mysterio uh, uh, um fishbowl. fishbowl head. <laughs> yeah. Let's fucking give white vision. Let's put um let's put Simon in super bright, loud, colorful Falcon costume. And I love how they're doing that with uh, with uh with Clint Barton. Like, we're probably not going to get the mask. I feel like the mask might be the, the step. Yeah. That, that might be too far off. That, that, that might be them jumping the shark. But I like um, I like the pattern he has. And I love how purple the suit is. I know there's a purple filter over the uh, the image. But yeah. I think you got a clear idea of where they're going with the costume. As far as Echo's costume, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, it's kind of like, oh, okay. It's kind of like Echo's costume. I feel like it's missing. Like, it, it it's so weird because it's like a plain leather suit with the with the logo on it and then that's yeah. it i feel like it could have been more tactical um i feel like they could have um gone without the uh, sleeves i like the sleeveless costume they have for the character in the comics and as well as the uh the uh, i don't know what you call that the the armbands that you that that you wrap around your forearm the white bands i feel like that could have been the direction they're going but then again it is echo's origin and who knows how she ends up here but it, it, it overall it looks very um satisfying it satisfies the comic book nerd in me <laughs> she even has i don't know if it's the whole thing i hope not because she had that famous white handprint on her face you do see marks of fingers on her cheek really so that yeah if you look closely there's like white markings on her cheeks so we might also they may have wiped it off but she may get that handprint as well it'll be interesting if that plays into the story at all yeah because that's the one aspect of echo that i don't see working on screen like mm. a, a white handprint on your head unless it's a super subtle thing where you know it's a, it's almost like a scar I, I guess i could see that work but as far as having like a white print on your head i feel like that might not i don't think that's something they can pull off but who knows they fucking pulled off you know sam's costume so maybe that's not sure. too hard for them. <laughs> she just fell into like makeup and just slapped her face once <laughs> oh no yeah I I think it's funny if we th consider, like, Hawkeye's costume, they took a lot of inspiration from the Ultimate storyline. Um, very tactical, mostly shield. His colors didn't quite pop. I think the Age of Ultron, the long one he had, was probably the, mo the closest we got to a comic book accurate costume. But it took, what, 12 years <laughs> to get yeah. the easiest character to adapt <laughs> his comic accurate costume? <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> Uh, it, it's going to be exciting. I'm really curious to see how that story comes together. Uh, we haven't seen, you know, we saw artwork of um, Haley Steinfeld's Kate Bishop in like her I iconic costume. 
So I'm curious if that's also going to be something that will be introduced later in the series because she had a very like makeshift one early on in set photos. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, in next news, we have a uh, big Ironheart found its head writer with Chinaka Hodge. Uh, many might know her work from Snowpiercer, which is also a very very good show. I can highly recommend. Um, mm-hmm. She worked there together. I think she's also an R and B artist, if I'm not cor- if I'm correct. So mm-hmm. she's she's quite an interesting addition to Ironheart. Also a good sign that Ironheart might be coming out sooner than expected uh, as they're slowly wrapping uh, preparing everything. There was a fun little misunderstanding when uh, it was shared that, oh, they're entering production in May, and everyone's like, wow, he, she has to write that entire script, script pretty damn in fast. <laughs> in a month. <laughs> <laughs> if she does, she'll be on everyone's radar. <laughs> yeah. But are you excited for Ironheart? Um, what do you think how, how that show is going to be? Like, I, honestly don't, yeah, I honestly don't know because I've, I've never read an Ironheart comic. I have read to read one yet. I have also yet to watch Snowpiercer. So there's actually not much I can say with this, uh, with this, with this, with this hiring, but I am excited that it's happening. And it's happening so soon. They're, they're, they're gearing up for pre-production. No. I guess this month. It's, it's, it's happening now, I, I guess. So that's cool. I'm excited to see what they come up with here. Um, I feel like this phase for me, like as a... Like I, I'm a, I'm a pretty well versed fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read I guess, I guess every event of the past twenty years in the in the, the Marvel universe. I've also read a bit of some of that you know some of the '90s stuff and '80s stuff and '70s stuff. So I think I'm pretty well read. But I think Phase Four, in particular, is going to be one where I'm going to be like completely surprised because I don't know much about Kamala Khan. I, I read the first I guess twenty issues of Miss Marvel, but I've never yeah. read any of the the more recent stuff. Like I don't even remember. Her supporting cast, I only remember her dad and her friend Bruno, but apart from that, that's it. So, Miss Marvel and Ironheart are the things where it's like an open book to me. So, I, I am kind of excited going in as a fan, you know, being completely surprised and learning stuff about the character that I've never picked up from the comics. So, there's that for me. I'm looking forward to that experience. Yeah, it's, it's the same for me. I have no experience with Ironheart. I just remember the controversy back in the day where everyone thought she was replacing Iron Man. Um, I'm curious which direction they go. Uh, I'm very, very curious what role she'll have in the MCU moving forward. Uh, I, I still like, so my theory is still is that she's kind of replacing Iron Boy or future King. Yeah. Because there's, there's nothing on him. Like he's the only young Avenger who kind of just got swallowed up by everything. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I see her. Uh, I mean, I still would love to see the kid from Iron Man three, uh, I think it was played by Ty Simpkin. Like, if he turned out to be Iron Boy, that would be a very interesting surprise. But, I mean, hey, he could maybe show up in Ironheart and just, you know, be an MIT with her and be a big rival because they both worshipped Tony Stark. So who knows what they're going to do with this series. And we're seeing a lot of, like, unique takes on a lot of aspects. So it's going to be exciting. I did um, the, um, I saw her, uh, what, what, what's her name? Dominic Thorne, the one who's playing Ryu Williams. Yeah. I saw her in um in the uh, what do you call this the, the Oscar nominated movie Judas and the Black Messiah like last week or something. Yeah. She looks pretty old. She looks fucking. She's she, she's kind of like our age or like late twenties because that's why I'm kind of surprised she's playing like a I guess a fifteen year old girl because she's twenty three it seems like, and in that movie she looked really like she's like a full on fucking adult. So I am curious how that's gonna turn out as far as them sort of uh, yeah. Painting her as a as a young aspiring teen because she's very much an adult currently, and I imagine when they start filming, she's you know she's gonna be probably twenty four this year, so yeah. you know she's gonna be 
we're, we're gonna see like a, like an adult mini Tony Stark here. <laughs> I just not everyone can be Tom Holland and be sixteen forever. <laughs> it's so funny because have you seen those uh those memes from his movie? His uh, what no, what's his one? movie? Cherry. The cherry. Yeah, apparently there's a scene there where he's like playing a forty year old man, and it looks like a twenty year old man with a with a mustache drawn on him. Really? <laughs> I have to. I still have to see that. <laughs> apparently that scene looked really bad. Like I think a lot of people's problems with that movie is just Tom Holland can play. He cannot play a man who's grizzled and old because he yeah. he's such a baby face. Like you cannot convince people that he's a fucking 50, 40 year old man. Has to be a lot of prosthetics to get that. Yeah, so. and it, it it didn't even work that that well because people didn't even buy it. Still, mm. yeah. <laughs> I have to I have to still check out that film. So I kind of can't wait to see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, now one last piece of news for today, and this is just I don't know. It's it's kind of funny how last time we we had this discussion, we we're talking about Alfred Molina just not caring at all and dropping all the bombs <laughs> on Spider Man No Way Home, and they have Russell Crowe. Talking about, oh, I'm going to take my bicycle to play to Zeus it out because I'm playing Zeus in Thor: Love and Thunder. Just flat out, don't give a shit about my NDA. Uh, here I am. <laughs> Dude, he, he uh, doesn't give a fuck, man. No, not at all. It's so wild. Uh, so the thing is, we all kind of theorized he might be Zeus, especially with his majestic beard he was rocking. So, are you surprised at all by this, or, or excited about it? <laughs> I'm not surprised with him not, not giving a fuck because I feel like the image of Russell Crowe has changed over the past few years when, you know, in the early 2000s, he was just leading hunk, leading man hunk. He was a guy. Yeah. He was everyone's fucking crush. And I feel like now he's like your drunk uncle who just was like, who shows up to, to the party drunk already from the pregame drinking. And that's the vibe I'm getting him from him doing the interview. And I think it's hilarious and absolutely cool. And, and I love how Kevin Feige probably couldn't do anything about it. Like you cannot fucking fire the gladiator. You no. cannot even you, you cannot even like remotely apprehend him because he's gonna fucking beat you up. And I absolutely <laughs> love that that vibe from from Russell Crowe. So I love that. I also love that he's playing Zeus. Um, I, I certainly wasn't expecting him to play Zeus. I, I I was I was leaning towards the theory that he could be playing an old Thor, which I thought oh, yeah. was, was also like a fun uh, I guess idea. But I'm not. I'm definitely not mad at him playing Zeus. I feel like that's that's such a great way to sort of bring the character in. Obviously, when you have Zeus, you have the other Greek gods like Ares and um, Hercules in particular. Both both characters who are main staples of the Marvel lore currently. So that definitely excites me. And you know, if we're getting Zeus here, I feel like he's gonna get killed by Gore. So I'm looking forward to seeing Russell Crowe get decapitated by a Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah, true. I, yeah. I'm really curious about the god, you know, the god slayer. Um, like, I think in the comics, he did kill, like, gods, but it wasn't, like, the Greek pantheon, the Egyptian gods or whatnot. It was just, like, very powerful godlike creatures. Right. I, I would love to see him, like, just devastate, you know, freaking him versus Anubis and stuff like that. That would be an amazing visual in, in this film. It makes you wonder also... Because we were talking about gods, the Greek yeah. gods have some ties to the Eternals. Oh yeah, true. So I'm, I'm wondering if you know maybe Russell Crowe was cast way back, and we're just finding mm. about no, maybe he shot some scenes for the Eternals. I wonder if that's the case. 
I, I'm generally curious if the Eternals will give us insight into how the Asgardians and how right. the Green Panther yeah. and all came together. Yeah. There's a lot they can set up, and and I'm really like we still haven't seen footage of that movie that was supposed to release what last November. <laughs> well, it should be, I guess, in the next three months, or three yeah. months, we're gonna see the first look. I could see it if the latest, probably after Black Widow releases. That's that's the latest I could see a trailer yeah. dropping. Yeah, sure. Um, and speaking of trailers, look at that segue. Uh, <laughs> We got a trailer, a fantastic one. Finally, after a long, long way, we got our first look at Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, Simu Liu, uh, as the titular character, our introduction to the real Mandarin. And uh, lots of great action. What do you think of the trailer when it first came out? It looks fucking amazing. I think, for me, the star is obviously um, Tony Leung as Wenwu slash the Mandarin. That, that, to me, is the star of the fucking movie. Like... That's what I'm really going to watch um, Shang-Chi for. I want to see fucking Wenwu wield those ten rings on his arms. It looks super badass. That scene where he he's sitting on a throne and he has some fucking long hair. Yeah. Like, that gave me shows that I was like, holy shit, it looks fucking dope. And there's a scene in the in the trailer where he's, uh, him and a uh, young Shang-Chi walk into, like, a gambling room. And then you see yeah. Wenwu's rings light up and he fucking destroys, like, a fucking table with a punch. That to me looks super exciting. Basically, all the Wenwu stuff here, I absolutely love. There's a scene at the end where we see like a glimpse of them fighting. Like Wenwu does this like yeah. super badass dive kick to or uh, like a like a moonsault towards um, towards Shang Chi, and it looks just fucking badass. And I think that's to me the biggest takeaway here. And it absolutely looks great. I mean, that 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 Wu the Wu scene where Wu scene where you know. When um, I think uh, it's Wenwu versus a, a a lady in green, and they're like they're like jumping yeah. over the air. Like it looks so tire. bad. Oh yeah, it looks it looks fucking super badass. And and some of the <laughs> scenes with um with Death Dealer look cool. Razor Fist looks super cool. And the the tournament looks super intriguing. Finally, we're gonna get a cool tournament. Maybe it <laughs> could fill it, it it could fill the tournament void that Mortal Kombat failed to give us. So I'm excited for that. Overall, just a fucking great first look at the movie. I think one of the writers for Mortal Kombat 2021 also worked on this film. So it's ironic that this is the one that gets the tournament. <laughs> really? Is, is there yeah, more I remember Kombat reading it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really exciting. I cannot wait to see the action. I, I, my biggest thing, and that's what I hope they do in the next trailer, is give us a, a slightly uninterrupted fight sequence to just get a feeling like this isn't... Like that, especially after watching Mortal Kombat... I'm a little scared of cuts. The West just loves to cut their action sequences quite a bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, given what, what, what the team and that is involved here, I hope we don't get a lot of cuts. I want to see an uninterrupted action sequence. And we already got that tease with like this flying tiger. Um, I would say flying tiger. Um, <laughs> don't Crouching, know why. Tiger. Crouching tiger. Crouching tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Damn dyslexia. <laughs> um, where you see that they're also taking inspiration from different types of action film, of, of Kung Fu action films. There's like some slight hints of like a little bit of Jackie Chan in there. I'm really excited. I really hope that they embrace that aspect of what kind of cinema they're playing, paying tribute to. And like you said, I love the direction with the Ten Rings. I think it's way better than just having these rings on your finger that each can do something individually. But rather give them some kind of reason, like some kind of interesting origin while also playing around with the fact that these are kung fu artists they can fight 
So, you know, what do you want with rings on your fin- on your fingers? Yeah. It, it, it looks great. Uh, Aquafina is playing Aquafina. That's that's kind of the... Yeah, yeah that, that, I'm sort of, like, mixed on that. I'm kind of like, eh, you're still playing yourself. It's kind of like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's not as uh, exciting as the some of the other roles there. Because I, it's so funny because when you... I think we saw a picture of her Marvel Legends. Yeah. And it just says Mar- it just says like Marvel's Katie. Like, <laughs> that's, like, that's, like, the it's ironic. Not, like it's not cool. It's not like Death Dealer or Razor yeah. Fist. It's just like Marvel's Katie. Katie. There's yeah. something there they're not revealing. <laughs> not even subtle. <laughs> I mean I mean they, they I hope they reveal something cool with her, but I mean I think she surely is just like the best friend who gets, you know, gets dragged into this crazy world. Um, I yeah. guess she's, I guess she could maybe be like um, um, Ned from Spider Man, where, you know, he's the best friend. But mm. I'm not sure, but I'm also not sure if Ned got his own Marvel Legends figure. So, no. so I mean, let's see. Um, I, I'm excited to see what they have in store here. Um, because, like you said, Mortal Kombat didn't exactly. You know, scratch that itch of good fight scenes and good like action sequence. It, like it, it, it kind of just gave us the gore, and it, it kind of seems like they they called it a day from that. Uh, I'm hoping more uh, Marvel Shang Chi gives us like you know, finally a good martial arts uh, movie from the West that we can all we can all get behind with. Yeah, I think the one sequence that kind of gave me hope was where he just jumps and kick like the where he punches two guys at the same time, just jumps and kicks and them the at the same time. The train. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that train sequence looks cool, for sure. Well, and I always thought like, oh, we're expecting all this high fantasy, and I was like, that train sequence looks amazing. <laughs> I, I am curious how hard they're going to lean into the hard fantasy because we clearly there are mythical creatures, I guess, in some sort of flashback there. I think the yeah. dragon's going to show up there. Um, it kind of seems like also that the uh, I don't know if it's going to be Wenwu, but definitely the rings are are something that's the it's something that gets used uh, throughout the ages here, so. Yeah. There's definitely going to be some uh, ancient fantasy elements to it that I hope they nail. Wonder if it's a- still alien technology, like in the comics. I hope I, I hope it's someone like that. I mean, then again, yeah. I feel like anything, anything that comes from the heavens in the MCU can be sort of interpre- interpreted as alien. Like even Thor, they acknowledge that you know, oh, they're kind of like aliens that you know get worshipped as gods. I feel like that's that's going to be, I guess, the same through line here with Shang Chi. Yeah, I, I just hope they don't, you know, it feels like they could copycat, you know, copy some elements from Black Panther, like with that big fight that seems to be in the past. You know, you open up with that and then you have the, the alien rings that came from, you oh, know, yeah. a meteorite brought them down. It could be a little yeah. too similar to that. Yeah. But I, th- I think they're going their own direction. Like, to be honest, I feel like that's the, that's why I'm kind of not excited for the Eternals. Like, if, if, if the Mandarin weren't here... I might not be as excited for it because I'm kind of overseeing origin stories. I feel like origin stories, you know, they have to follow a certain formula to to nail the things they have to establish. Like Captain Marvel, I'm not too crazy about. Doctor Strange, in retrospect, I'm not too crazy about. So I, I feel like at this point, I'm kind of over origin stories. Like if it weren't for the Mandarin, I wouldn't be super excited for this. But I'm hoping they do, they, they do something interesting with this. Definitely. Mm, yeah. Um, you want to do some breaking news? <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, check the just, chat. <laughs> just in, hold on. Oh wow, Miss Marvel's costume on set. Yeah, we got some breaking news on this. 
That, oh, it wow. looks great. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Yeah, it looks fucking dope. I, I think this is the first time, like, a middle in the middle of our recording, something drops like that. Oh, yeah. I, I, this has never happened even to me and Charles. <laughs> wow. Breaking fucking news. Looks cool. I like it. It looks, um... It looks... It looks super sleek, like like the Wakandans made it. Like I don't know, I don't know how a kid would be able to make something this uh well made. I'm curious if it's still made from a porkini. Yeah, but it looks it's a bit more modern than that. So it'll be interesting. Uh, maybe the inventor's in there after all, and he's an ally. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Breaking news. Uh, Breaking news. A first look at Miss Marvel's costume. It, it 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 resembles exactly like the comics, but it looks um. It kind of looks regal in a way. Yeah, it look, it looks really good. I like the combination. There's that golden uh, bracelet as well. You know, some are still a little nervous about the whole rumor of it being some kind of like purple energy thing. So curious yeah. if it is. Curious if it's not. And if you look at the um the fabric she has, like the the main fabric she has, it's kind of like it has a, it kind of looks scaly. A little bit. Yeah. Like, there's definitely some intricate, you know, uh, design put into it. Definitely. Wow, looks pretty cool. Well, we got to fucking ride this up. We got to wrap up and ride this up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already on the side. Yeah. <laughs> well, perfect. Uh, it was always great. Uh, glad we had it. We had a lot to cover. We had some breaking news. Only here on the MCU Exchange. Be sure to subscribe to us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it was great. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. If you're interested, um, hey, listen to our other episodes. We have 43 other episodes, a lot to pick up on. And, you know, you can find us on Spotify, anywhere um, where you can find your favorite podcasts. Uh, my name is Joe. You can find me at, on Twitter at, at ThatAbel, T-H-A-T-A-B-E-R-L. You can find Charles on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at TFSBrillianWeb. And we can't wait until next time. Let's see what other breaking news we get, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great one. Bye.